Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. The Gospels unveiled Jesus Christ coming in the flesh to mankind. This was his first coming, and it was foretold in many passages of the Old Testament. As Christians today, most of us are eagerly awaiting his second coming, and this too was clearly alluded to in ancient scriptures, such as Isaiah. But to see these prophecies clearly at times requires a skillful and experienced guide. Watchman Nee and Witness Lee were such guides to the church in this age. And we invite you to stay with us for an inspiring look today at the book of Isaiah as we once again bring you Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Ron Kangas is back with us again as we focus today on the two comings of Christ. A very interesting message today, isn't it, Ron? It's interesting for more than one reason. It has an inherent interest just because of the important subject matter. We surely believe that the Lord is coming and we would like to know the things related to his coming. But this ministry is a life study, and we are burdened to unlock the life element in the various portions of the Word and thereby relate those portions to our experience. So this message on prophecy is interesting in a very particular way because it points us once again, again and again, to the experience of Christ as life. We don't want to just know the prophecies concerning Christ and have the information related to the coming again of Christ. We would like to enjoy Christ so that we may be prepared in Christ to meet him and be one with him at his coming. Ron, I appreciate your balancing word because, as you have mentioned, everyone, I think, likes this topic. It holds uh, a particular fascination for Christians in general and especially for those who love prophecy, and there are a lot of us that do. In the sharing today from Isaiah 61 and 62, we're going to hear several references to the restoration of Israel. Many people believe in a literal interpretation of this concept, and there are others that believe in a spiritual fulfillment. What about this ministry, Ron, literal or spiritual? In keeping with a very widespread view of prophecy, uh, we teach that, in principle, prophecy is to have a literal fulfillment So the prophecies concerning Christ's first coming were literally fulfilled in a detailed way. We believe the prophecies concerning his coming again will also be fulfilled literally. Since some of those prophecies involve the restoration of Israel, we further believe, according to the scriptures, that Israel will literally and actually be restored. In this sense, We follow a literal view of the prophecies. But as I said in my opening remarks, this is a life study. And life is a spiritual matter. And the life element in the prophecies and the experiential dimension of the prophecies 
need to have a spiritual fulfillment. So there is a parallel course here between literal and spiritual. They do not conflict. We, on the one hand, according to the letter, teach the literal fulfillment of the prophecies concerning Israel. On the other hand, according to the spirit of the word and according to the focus on Christ in God's economy, there is a spiritual dimension, a spiritual experience, and a spiritual fulfillment to many of the prophecies. I gave you an either-or question and got a yes for an answer. I'll take that, Ron. Let's join Witness Lee. Chapters 61 to 63 shows us the ministry of the anointed of Jehovah. Christ is the equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. And the Hebrew word Messiah simply means the anointed. Our Christ is the anointed one and also the anointing one. As he is anointed and he becomes the anointing one. He got anointed by God, with God, then he becomes the ornament to anoint others. This is Christ as the servant of Jehovah. This issues in the restoration of Israel because Christ is the anointed one to be the anointing one to carry out a ministry that brings in the restoration of Israel. And this ministry is just to uh, minister the triune God into his elect, Israel. Israel were chosen, but through the histories, more than 3,500 years, if you read the Bible, and you pay full attention to this part of the history. You can see it has been full of tragedies, but Christ will come in two ways. This is why his coming has two times. The first time his coming was just to minister, and his ministry was to just dispense God into his followers. That laid a good foundation for Christ to come back the second time. He will come back mostly in the outward way to rescue children Israel from all the outside, outward surrounding circumstances. Then to bring in a restoration to them and that restoration eventually will be expanding to invade all the creative things by God. That will be the so-called millennium, 1,000-year kingdom. Ron, Christ, as seen in Isaiah, will come not just once, but twice. First, primarily to minister, but the second time outwardly coming as the restorer of Israel and to usher in a thousand-year millennial kingdom. What does the first coming to minister himself into his chosen people, the New Testament believers, have to do with the restoration of Israel at his second coming? We just heard Witness Lee connect these two. This is a large and complex subject, 
and there's time only to make a brief remark. We need to realize that all of God's activity throughout history, from creation until the very end of the millennial kingdom, is with his eternal goal in view. God has decided and is determined to have the new Jerusalem, a composition of God's chosen people from the Jews and the nations, as his eternal, corporate, consummate expression. God has been working through history with all human beings, then with chosen Israel, then with the church, and then in another way with Israel and the nations, uh, with the overcomers among the believers in the millennial kingdom. The Lord's coming again will not be an arbitrary act. By this I mean it will not just happen in a way that's unrelated to what God is doing in the present age. In order for the Lord's bride to be built up for him to come, there is the need for the Lord to minister himself as life into his chosen, redeemed, regenerated people today. Many students of prophecy simply focus on the connection between the prophecies and the outward world situation, expecting the Lord to come as soon as the world situation is ready. However, something must take place within the lives of the seeking believers today in relation to their experience of Christ personally and corporately in order for the body to be built up to become the bride ready for the Lord's coming. So if the Lord does not minister himself as life into his New Testament believers, the body cannot be built up and the bride cannot be prepared Without the body built and the bride prepared, there is no way for the Lord to come back. Yes, he will come back for Israel, but before that he will come back for his bride. So I hope this helps us to sense something of the connection. The Lord will return, but we must be prepared and the world situation must be ready for his return. So the restoration of Israel at the Lord's coming back depends in great measure on the Lord's building up the body and preparing his bride by ministering himself into the New Testament believers little by little and day by day today. We are burdened for this. We are burdened for the ministry of Christ as life so that the body can be built up and the bride can be prepared. Then the Lord will come back. The millennial kingdom will begin. Israel will be restored and there will be a glorious restoration on the earth for a thousand years. But if we just study prophecy and wait for prophecies to be fulfilled, we will miss the opportunities we need to experience the Lord's present ministry of life to build up the body and prepare the bride as crucial conditions for his coming back. Ron, I have to make this observation. Most Christians, it seems, are waiting for the world situation to set up. But in effect, it may be exactly the opposite. The world situation may be waiting for us. In one sense, it's easier for God to prepare the world situation than it is for him to prepare the bride. In his sovereignty, he can arrange the objective world situation under his authority according to his will. Really, human beings have little choice. The Lord is the Lord. He rules. He's sovereign. 
but for him to do the work of building up the body of Christ by dispensing himself into us as life requires a mysterious inner working of God which involves our seeking of him, our loving of him, our studying of his word, and our cooperating with him and our willingness to pay the price. We believe eventually there will be a correspondence between the preparation of the bride through the building up of the body of Christ by the ministry of Christ with the overcomers and the objective world situation. But these things go hand in hand, and eventually they will converge. But our burden is to focus on the intrinsic matter which is on the Lord's heart. Once there is progress in this inwardly and organically, we will see the world situation miraculously and sovereignly prepared for the Lord to return. Well, Ron, we want to go back to Witness Lee. One of the difficulties trying to track these two comings in Isaiah is sometimes they seem to get confused. I believe if our listeners will stay tuned, we're going to get a very valuable hint on how to follow through. Let's rejoin him now. The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me. This word refers to his ministry in the first coming. Why? Because Luke chapter 4, one day Christ entered into synagogue and asked for the Old Testament. And he turned to Isaiah chapter 6. And he read a part of that. He said to them, today this word is fulfilled among you. When he came the first time, he was born of the Holy Spirit, constituted with the essence of the Holy Spirit to be a God-man. He lived in that essence of the Spirit as a man. Then, up to his 30 years of age, he came out to carry out the ministry. Then at that time, he got baptized. Right after that water baptism, God's Spirit came upon this Christ economically to empower him, to authorize him to be God's servant, to minister God into God's chosen people. So here it says, the Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me because Jehovah has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. And he has sent me to bind up the wounds of the uh, brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. Captives of whom? Captives of Satan. And uh, the opening of the eyes to those who are bound that they may see. And he did physically open some eyes. That indicates he was opening the spiritual eyes of so many among God's elect that they may see. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to proclaim the acceptable year of Jehovah and the day of vengeance. When the Lord came the first time, did he carry out some vengeance? No, no. He was never fighting. So from this part of vengeance onward, it refers to his second coming. In his second coming, he will avenge 
Israel. He will carry out some vengeance of our God. The oil of gladness, according to Hebrew chapter 1, is the spirit. The mental of praise, the kind of a rule of praise to God instead of a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness. These trees of righteousness were planted of Jehovah, that he may be glorified. Who may be glorified? God. You see? So this portion of the word implies partly his first coming and partly his second coming. His first coming and his second coming are two high peaks in the prophecy. At Isaiah's time, looking at their view, Isaiah put Christ's two comings into one. This is one of the secrets for you to study Isaiah. To study the Bible, especially Isaiah, you need some instructions, some secrets. Ron, anyone I think who fancies himself at all as a serious student of the Bible would have to love this portion. The prophecy of Isaiah covers both of Christ's comings. Explain this secret that we just heard, that to unlock Isaiah, we have to see that in his prophecy, sometimes these two comings are joined together. In Luke 4, the Lord Jesus quotes from the prophecy in Isaiah concerning himself. It's interesting that he stopped his quotation at a certain point. Why? Because he was applying part of that prophecy to himself in his first coming. Another part of that same prophetic passage applies to him in his second coming. So the Lord himself, in his speaking in the synagogue in Nazareth, applied the prophecies in this way. Now, from the standpoint of reading the book of Isaiah, as Brother Lee points out, Christ's first coming and his second coming are like two mountain ranges or two mountain peaks. Viewed from a distance, they may seem to be one mountain peak or one mountain range. However, we can draw near, eventually, since we are in the valley between these two peaks or mountain ranges, we can look back on the one and look forward to the other. What is important is that in our study of Isaiah, we recognize this fact that to the prophet, the first and second coming of Christ, in a certain sense, seemed to converge, and the prophet himself was not altogether clear as to the distinction between the two comings. Now, from the standpoint of the New Testament revelation, we can look back and then look into Isaiah's prophecy and begin to discern one peak from the other. This is, to me, a very helpful perspective in studying the comings of Christ or, if you prefer, the single continuous coming of Christ as unfolded in Isaiah's prophecy. Ron, we're going to jump into a very significant and difficult topic in our final section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The Lord's first coming, that has much to do with his second coming. Do you know Christ coming to the earth? He has only finished halfway. Christ began to come to mankind 2,000 years ago. And this coming has not been finished. It will continue 
by his second coming. In God's eyes, there's no first coming and second coming. So in Isaiah 61, here, you only have one high peak of the anointed of Jehovah's coming. But in practice, his coming is of two sections. And the first section was carried out 2,000 years ago. And the second section will be carried out probably not too long from today. The first section was his first coming. And that completion produces and builds up the church. Then the last three and a half years, Christ will begin to assume the continuation of his coming. And this continuation of his coming is of three sections. Firstly, he will be in heavens to uh, receive the raptured overcomers into his presence. And this is the first section of the continuation of his coming to bring his overcomers into his presence in the third heaven. Just like the man child in Revelation 12, and just like the 144,000 of the first fruit, they all will be raptured to third heaven into Christ's presence. Then at the end of the three and a half years tribulation, Christ from the third heaven will descend with his overcomers to the air. And this is the second section of his continuation of his coming. In the air, he will receive all the majority of his believers raptured to the air. And this is recorded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There, he judged all his believers who will be rewarded with the kingdom as a reward or who will be chastised, disciplined in the kingdom time that they may made mature. Then after that, Christ will have a wedding day. He is the groom and the overcomer saints will be the bride and they too will marry in a short time. Right after the marriage, his newly married bride becomes his army. Then he will come down with his married overcomers to descend, to fight Antichrist. Antichrist will take the lead to be so opposing God and all the opposers of God will follow him. But at this juncture, Christ descends, he would slaughter all the opposers of God by fighting. Then Israel will be rescued. Then Christ will be sitting on the throne at Jerusalem to judge the nation, the left ones, and also to rule all the nations with all his overcoming saints as his helpers. 
Well, Ron, we have a window today into the rapture of the church at Christ's second coming. A lot of controversy surrounds this topic in Christian circles. I think there are three major schools of interpretation generally, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation rapture. But here, Witness Lee presents even another possibility. Help us to see this new possibility. Perhaps it would be helpful to use the metaphor of the apple tree. You have a healthy apple tree in your backyard. Apples have been growing. It's now approaching harvest time. How does one harvest the apples? The fact is not all apples ripen at the same time. Some mature quicker, they ripen earlier, and they are picked first. Then there may be the majority of the apples that in a short period of time are harvested. Finally, there are some slow ripening apples that are harvested, picked as the gleanings at the end. Uh, Why do I use this illustration? To show that the rapture is actually a matter of life. The Lord came in his first coming, likened himself to the sower of seed. In his second coming, he will reap what he has sown, he will harvest. Rapture is a matter of maturity in life. Those that pursue the Lord more, are more faithful, they will be raptured, we believe the scripture teaches, just before the tribulation. Others will need to ripen during the tribulation time. That is the majority of the believers, and they will be taken toward the end of the tribulation, and even there will be a final gleaning of those that still need more time. It's very helpful to see that the rapture, like the harvesting of a crop, will go through stages. So this is an inclusive way a balanced way, but it's a radically different way of looking at it. We need to consider rapture as a phenomenon in the divine life. The Lord will not indiscriminately and undiscerningly take us to himself. He will come as a farmer and rapture the first fruits, the harvest, and the gleanings. This is the view of rapture that I would like to present as a brief response to your interesting question. Well, a topic that deserves and warrants much more time than we were able to give it. We invite you to call us at our toll-free number if you're interested in this topic and maybe have never seen this possibility before and would like to examine it for yourself. That's our encouragement to you. We hope that you do. Uh, Once again, our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. We wish that we had more time for this vast and very interesting topic. We commend this message to the Lord and to you, the listeners. Today, for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. 
You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.